0: In this series, lowimpact.org and the Open Credit Network talks to people working to build a mutually-owned, democratic, decentralized economy that builds community and doesn't destroy nature. We want to increase collaboration to bring about system change. Find links to the sites mentioned in the videos in the description below. Join the conversation by liking, commenting, and subscribing to our channel. I hear that you've joined the board of the Ecological Land Co-op, is that right? I
1: have, yes.
0: I um I left a couple of years ago.
1: Oh right, okay, cool.
0: I left when uh, Chris Mage joined. Right. Um, from from Valis Veg and yeah,
1: oh uh, brilliant! Yeah, I mean it's such an inspiring organisation.
0: Such an inspiring organisation. They got then they got planning permission in Wheeldon, which I think is the most difficult council in the country to get planning permission. Right. Okay. <laughs> Very well. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, it's nice. Um, they're now at the point of having a a solid reputation you know uh, and I think that plays a big role when it goes to working with different planners that that they know that they're, le- they're legit you know. Um, so often planners are scared of alternative abodes and lifestyles mm-hmm. etc.
0: Mm-hmm. Chris Mage is writing a book about um, the future for small, for small farmers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he sent me a snippet and I, it was very very good um, is, is is life just too tough for small farmers? I mean, will, will the kids just inevitably leave and go to the cities? You know, how can we...
1: Yeah, you know? I mean, it's, it is an interesting question. And certainly, if you look at global trends, that's the predominant global trend of the past 300 years is urbanization, young people leaving and going to cities. Uh, if you look at... How uh, the UN and the different international institutions uh, see the development uh, and the like raising the income of different countries. Increasing the productivity of agriculture is a key part of that. And that basically means increasing productivity means less people on the land uh, producing the same or more food. So it, it, it's, it's it's a big trend. Um, but then it, we see a lot of people you know like so as a person of my age living in a urban area like pretty much everyone i know has some kind of dream of one day moving to the countryside and having having their small holding or whatever so so yeah i mean i don't know whether it's totally lost we just we're we're finding a new balance with it um i feel like i feel like the that for the small producer, there are increasing number of opportunities for you to be able to sell and distribute your produce uh, from, you know, and like, uh, and it's it's widely accepted that, say, small-scale market gardening is a profitable way to to have an enterprise on a small piece of land that's viable, you know, fruit and veg is actually... Um, much more cost-effective to, or it can be more cost-effective to produce on a small scale than it is on an enormous scale. Um, So, yeah, I, like, it's, it's interesting times, and I feel like countries like the UK and the US, we get stuck in this, like, massive pull, a polarization between competing forces, um, and it's where a lot of that innovation happens. Um, So, yeah.
0: I read an article recently on Medium, uh, and it was about, it was it was written by a farmer in the States, and he's mm-hmm. advocating cooperative farming, so farms would get much bigger, but they wouldn't be owned just by one farmer, they'd be owned by a, right. a group of farmers farming it cooperatively, and his argument was that um, everybody doesn't have to do everything at the moment, one small farmer would have to do all the bookkeeping, all the admin, all the deliveries, all the, all the infrastructure, everything and all the yeah. kinds of things that are produced on the farm You'd have, he or she would have to have a lot of different um kinds of knowledge whereas you you could you could sort of specialize a bit if you're working with a cooperative you could be the specialist in dairy dairy production or or tomatoes in polytunnels or you know you could really focus and get that done really really well and other people would be doing the same thing and somebody would be doing the books for the entire cooperative. So. Yeah, and also um, you know it's it's this more of a sense of community, and I think that was a very interesting article.
1: Yeah, I think I agree with that, and um, and you can look at this kind of the sharing of resources, uh, the sharing of infrastructure. It could happen in loads of different ways. Uh, so there are successful models around the world that use a kind of cooperative model to uh, similar to what he's talking about. But things like um, small scale abattoirs, uh, you know, so people within an area have access quite locally to to uh some of the processing facilities that they need something one of the things that stops small-scale veg being used in procurement say to feed in hospitals or schools uh is that there isn't there aren't uh, ways to process those vegetables to clean them essentially um, That small-scale producers can tap into so if we had appropriate facilities for washing cleaning processing vegetables that lots of producers could tap into Then that could uh, be the source of vegetables for For schools. so I think there's a lot to be said for an infrastructure layer um, That that supports smaller producers to feed into it and distribution is definitely another example of that moving things from one place to another
0: I think that's why the open food network network is so good. It makes it easier for for small farmers and small producers, and anything that does that has got to be a fantastic idea.
1: Well, yeah, that's what we're aiming to do. (laughs) Have you
0: got any ideas about how we bring different sectors together, sort of the food sector and the money sector and the energy sector and the housing sector and all the, to try and you know, and the IT sector and how to how to boost this this sort of. There's lots of people thinking about how we build a new economy right Uh, but we're still completely marginal (laughs) we 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 really need to move in and start taking over the the mainstream economy have you got any ideas about things things that might help in that direction
1: yeah i mean it is really hard i feel like um uh one of the challenges like uh, all of the solutions exist i think when we when we look around uh, for all of the ecological and social problems that we face it 's not like we don 't have solutions to these problems they 're out there, uh, but they fail to reach scale. Um, part of that like uh, is that we're you know we are marginal it 's really hard to get that critical mass where things reach a tipping point and tip over into uh, being the the norm um, and we 're up against uh, it feels like enormous barriers. It, you know like when trying to when trying to grow and scale um because there is so much to economies of scale um yeah I mean uh, I feel like that um, that we often undervalue the role of of coming together uh of um celebration gatherings meetings that that often these things you know like it's yeah we like that that's when the real innovation happens certainly in the food sector one of the big um, game changes has been the Oxford Real Farming Conference yeah. uh, which started as a fringe conference to the Oxford Farming Conference uh, which is essentially where all of the big players in agribusiness come together the Real Farming Conference started as to to try and show that there are alternatives to that way of farming and now that conference is much much bigger than the original conference um it's it's the focal point of the year for the sector everybody comes together the ideas that come out of that the connections that are made um it really you know it's been really transformative and i think continues to be so um yeah so certainly the power of coming together but that in itself is hard um i know that the cooperative sector often is is um uh, when gatherings happen, there's often a critique that the, it's not very diverse, these gatherings. And so that's it's quite hard to, to make that shift from from being a place of, uh, you know, a lot of white people of a certain class um, shifting into something that feels inclusive for everyone. Uh, and that's work we all have to do. You know, part of it is that maybe our sector is, is exclusive. You know, and we certainly feel it in the food sector that the good food appears to be the pursuit of white middle-class people Um, and that's that we have to take a long hard look at ourselves and address that and I think the cooperative sector suffers from that to a degree as well Um, that it's yeah so
0: my working-class family and and, uh, a a working-class town and um, I go back and um, I think it's percolating down there are lots of TV programs about there are lots of foodie TV programs now and um, you know my family they're, they're they, they don't buy exclusively organic, but they do buy a little bit of organic and, and they've switched from white bread to wholemeal bread and things like that. They, they, they've, just, right. they, they've just seen TV programs and they've changed their habits. Yeah. And less, the power less, less, less a lot less meat.
1: Right, right. The movement to, to meat reduction has really gained strength. Um, and certainly you see that in uh, the kind of what is it, Generation Y that comes after the millennials and the YouTube movements and things like this. Like, there's, um, these these media streams are really powerful in changing people's behaviors. I think, yeah, the power of media in changing what we see as normal, you know? Because, like, behavior change, behavior change isn't really something that we can ask anyone to do. Hey, you, change your behavior. It doesn't quite work like that. Like, we all try to fit in and be normal. So we want to do what our friends do, and what we think everybody else does, and we see what everybody else does through media, largely, and through our friendship circles. So, like that, you know, making those shifts of of awareness through media, what bec- what's normal, um, is really powerful, and it's becoming more normal to eat less meat and to to think about vegetables, you know, to to use reusable coffee cups, things like this. Um, yeah, so. I mean, there's some hope there, but the shifts are still quite individualistic and yeah. we need to be more systemic about it.
0: I often think that the state um, is, it's its not very helpful. I mean, it's, it's, the, the big corporations don't pay their fair share of tax. No. More producers do. And I know that there are subsidies for large farmers, but there are no subsidies for small farmers under under a certain area. Uh, it's difficult to get your hands on any any subsidies, which is great. It's crazy and I, I just see the state, yeah. it, it annoys me so much and there's so much that they could do to help and they're just not doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the subsidy thing, I think we're going to see changes happen depending on how Brexit goes. That's all European policy. Um, But even, even if we stay in Europe, European policy uh, and the common agricultural policy is shifting now away from this kind of per hectare payment for land ownership oh, yeah. if you're over yeah. five yeah. hectares. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I, the, another thing on this, like, so we look at the markets and we look at government, but I do, I do, uh, um, you know, there's talk now recently about this third pillar, which is community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we have three pillars in our society, it feels like community has been, been undervalued quite a lot mm-hmm. that the markets you know, the invisible hand does so much for us and, and government, the state, looks after you from cradle to grave. But, you know, like there's a lot of, we put a lot of trust and uh, also responsibility on markets and government to solve our problems. But community has been overlooked. Um, and I do feel like there's, uh, there should be a responsibility Within markets and government to start to reestablish communities, and it's you know it's something that we've seen in the past. Certainly, yeah. markets have played a role in building communities <laughs> in um, bleaker times than now. So, yeah, um, yeah. Well,
0: often the you know market, um, an actual real market, is the heart of a community, it's, right? It's, uh, but it's not a market that can be exploited by multinational corporations. It's just small local producers. I used to work in Romania. And I tried to explain to Roman- to Romanians what a farmer's market was,
1: <laughs> and they were like, "What? You mean right, everything?" What? That's just a market. <laughs> <It's> like, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But um, so you
0: know that we are starting the we building the open credit network. Yeah. We're trying to build a new money system. Uh, it's a absolutely. Very name, the name, Open Food Network and the Open Credit Network. Uh, it would be great if 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 the Open Food Network could somehow. Use mutual credit, as, yeah. a, as, a, as an exchange system within within the small providers.
1: It certainly comes up a lot uh, within the Open Food Network community um, it- that we, you know, that uh, some kind of credit network would be hugely beneficial. It's really it's really tricky, like, to find the balance of it uh, because one blockage we often find is that you know producers they need to they need to buy things that will not be on the credit network. Like that will just always be the case. Um, well,
0: we'll try to get them on the, onto the network.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, if if we can build a network, like if the network can encompass as much as the normal economy, which is obviously the goal and hope. Yeah. Um, but yeah, buying potting mix, buying seed, paying your rent, paying your electricity bills. If we could, you know, like the scale, the scale of the challenge is not to be underestimated. Um, but certainly, it's it's an exciting one to explore. Yeah. I love I love um, uh, Hullcoin, for example, that have used cryptocurrencies to try and uh, solve part of this problem. Because often with the credit networks, you know, you start to run up against the FSa FCA, whatever it's called these days. Um, um, yeah, and one of the ways around that that Hullcoin have done is quite exciting.
0: We're, we're talking we're talking with Kate. She's in the states at the moment, but if we want to. Have a chat yeah you. right the um all right so we've, we've got a another website called non-corporate.org where we help people extract extricate themselves from the corporate sector and get the stuff that they need from non-corporate sources especially sort of local and small scale sources so i definitely need to get you onto noncorporate non-corporate as a oh yeah a, absolutely i'll also sign you up to the to the blog so you can see the other interviews that we do and they can see you
1: yeah yeah. I had a, I had a look, some great people on yeah. your interviewee list.
0: Yeah. I'm just obsessed with trying to bring people together and network and build the whole sector really.
1: Right. So, I mean, it's such important work to, yeah. to creating the new world that we want to live in.
0: Yeah, yeah. But um, All right then Lynn, it's been really great talking with you.
1: Yeah. Likewise. Absolutely and uh, um, yeah
0: so um hopefully we'll we'll talk to you again later on see so how you're getting
1: on yeah yeah that would be brilliant i'd love to love to have a chat with some updates in the future uh and yeah looking forward to hearing everything that comes out of all the work you're doing
0: yeah thank you very much